we need to find a way to acquire more rentals faster. The means to that end was let's flip a few homes, get some quick cash and go buy another rental and do that a few times, go buy a rental, do that a few times. So that was, that was a mentality. And I actually said, I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome to the seven figure flipping podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the seven figure flipping podcast. This is Bill Allen and We've been doing this series of some of our new and uh, older members of our mastermind group, just kind of bringing some people in from the community, some people who attended Flip Hacking Live and signed up for the Runway Group or the Altitude Group, and even some people who have been inside of our community for a few years. I've just been interviewing them and getting to know them a little bit better, and I'm really enjoying some of the new members that have joined the Runway and Altitude Group, kind of getting to know them a little bit better on the podcast. So I think I'll do more of this because it gives me some one-on-one time with some of our new members. And... Uh, today, we have a couple who I met, uh, let's see, it was a, a strip of concrete along the water in San Diego. Every morning, they were going for a run as I was out there kind of walking after I lifted weights in the gym. And we stopped and talked the first day, then stopped and talked the second day. And it was just kind of like the time that we would bump into each other. And I know that they were kind of on the fence about joining the mastermind group and where they were. So, we kind of took... I don't know, 10 minutes or so every morning just talked and they would ask me questions. What should we do? What do you think? And I just kind of put the ball in their court and let them decide. So uh, I'm excited to talk to them more and spend like an hour with them as opposed to those 10 minutes while they're just kind of running and we're walking and uh, figuring it out in the dark in the morning. It was like six o'clock in San Diego. So I've got Chad and Ashley Whitaker here from Atlanta, Georgia. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great, Bill. I am excited to get to know you guys a little bit more, hear a little bit more about your story. And um, uh, other than just kind of the passing short conversations that we've had up to this point. So why don't you guys just tell everybody a little bit about you, maybe like your family, what you guys do, um, a little bit about your background. Sure, absolutely. So Ashley and I are in our mid thirties. We have three children, two, four, and six. So our our house is a circus. It's, it's never a dull moment. We enjoy it a lot. And we both are graduates from Florida State University in the 2005, 6, 7 time frame. And we both went into corporate America, as you, <laughs> as, as Bill shows his Georgia, Georgia Tech jacket. So we get it. Um, so we were originally from Panama City Beach and went to Florida State because it was the closest college to go to. And so we had... I'm a mechanical engineer by degree, graduated in 08, went into the workforce with a company I had interned with there in Tallahassee, worked for a couple of years, got laid off due to lack of work, ended up seeking work in the area, and finally landed on Atlanta, came up here in late 2010, got on with a company that I'm still with today, my W2 job, here in just north of, of Atlanta. and. Ashley has been in a W-2 job up until the summer in corporate America working commercial insurance as an underwriter. Tallahassee kind of dipped our feet into the rental stuff, though. We bought a house there, and we rented out both of the rooms, so Chad and I never had to pay rent. Um, They covered our mortgage, 
and that started our rental portfolio. And from there, we've been adding on or trying to add on. Um, but the mentality was we need to do 20% down. We need to put these on 15-year mortgages because we want to get them paid off. So we don't want to um, – well, that was the goal. So we knew that we've always had this goal of we're going to retire early. We want it to be through real estate, and we want to have these rentals that are bringing in income for us that we're not having to do too much with. Um, and I, probably about a year ago, I looked at Chad and I was like, I'm done. I'm tired of 20% down and we see all these deals go by and we can't afford to buy them. Like we're not getting the good deals because we're waiting and we're saying we want to invest in properties or we wanted to, we were actually talking to another friend and we wanted to invest with him and do maybe some commercial stuff. And we're like, hey, we can we can put in money and we'll get, we're okay if we need to sit on it for 10 years and then it bring us a return. And I was like, no, we're not. Why are we okay with that? Like, we need to be able to start using our money and getting the money back now. Like, I want to return now. And so that's when um, we kind of started listening and I started searching for some, some podcasts on how to flip homes because... My dad's a, a custom home builder. Um, Chad and I, the houses that we have gotten, we've always gone in, we've done work to them. Even the house in Tallahassee was new construction, but we told the guy, don't put the floors in. We're, we're going to lay the floors. So we actually went in and laid the floors ourselves. So we've always been doers and um, pretty handy in the rentals and stuff that we've gotten. Um, so we wanted just something that we could, it was like, how do we flip homes and how do we make money at it? And we actually ran across a podcast started listening to that and I was like, wow, we might be able to do this. Um, and that kind of opened our eyes on getting a HELOC and taking out equity out of some of the houses that we had and using that money to help us start doing flips. So this is all within this year that we've, we've started doing this. We did the LLC. I think I created it back in May. Um, and we started, we did our first flip and finished it and it was successful. We had actually gotten that one to a wholesaler we stumbled across um, house flipping live and we were listening to the podcast, listening to, to all of that. And Chad was like, I think we really need to go. I was like, I don't know. Do you think it's, we need to go or is it a scam? Like, what do we do? And um, during that whole time, we also found two more opportunities that we got through networking. So we went out, we closed those deals. We had these two deals that um, we were going to flip. And so it's kind of like, it's chaos, right? And we're like, we're going to go. We need to learn. We need to listen. We need to go and see what they have to offer because the podcast just sucked us in. At the time, I was working um, about 45 minutes away. So I was able to listen for about an hour and a half every day. And Chad was doing about 30 minutes. His, his trip's a little shorter. So I quit my job in July and was like, I'm going to do this full time. But in doing that, I'm also going to homeschool our kids and I'm going to be a full-time mom. So doing it full-time is not really putting in 40 hours a week, right? Our, our full-time is like me maybe putting in 15 hours a week and doing it at nights and like just trying to do it at any free time that we have. So that kind of brings us up to where we are now. It's like it was that kick in the butt of, no, we need to do something that's going to bring us in money now. And then we need to get to a higher level instead of being lower and just I was I felt like I was spinning wheels all the time like I'd be on the computer I'm like I just spent a whole day that I didn't have and I was trying to figure out what website I need to go to or where can I get a lead source from and flip hacking live really helped with that whole situation 
Okay. So a lot to unpack there, right? So, okay. You guys met in Tallahassee, Florida state. We won't go. I think I interviewed. Oh, it was Chad. Chad, my sales manager went to Florida state. So that drives, I remember doing a podcast with him and just hammering him on that. So we won't go down that road. Everybody's already heard that. I do just, I did I just happened to have my Georgia tech sweatshirt on. It wasn't, I thought we would be representing Atlanta today. I didn't know. We'd be in <laughs> you know, when I went to Georgia tech and you guys, it was probably, I don't know. Uh, at Florida State was just so good at football. They just destroy us every year. It was embarrassing to even show up to that game. Uh, we pretty much just uh, had a lot of fun before the game and just knew that we were going to get crushed. So um, now it's embarrassing for us. <laughs> yeah, it's it has definitely <laughs> ebbed and flowed over there recently. So and then um, so you guys, three kids, two, four, and six, full time jobs until right now. So Ashley, you left in uh, the summer, and you guys, mm-hmm. but you guys got that first property in May. So was that first property that you got in May kind of like catalyst for you to decide to leave the job, or were you already like poised and ready to do that? She was already poised and ready um, at the beginning of the year. I'll, I'll back up just a smidge. At the beginning of the year, I told Ashley, I said, Ashley, I I, I came home from work, and I said I. I had a bad feeling today. I, I felt like I could retire in my job, in my W-2 job. I've been there eight, nine years. And it really scared me. I said, we need to, we need to jump. And we need to, we've been talking about rehabbing homes, fixing and flipping. Let's do this. We need, to, we need to find a way to acquire more rentals faster. So the means to that end was let's flip a few homes, get some quick cash, and go buy another rental. And do that a few times. Go buy a rental. Do that a few times. So that was – that was a mentality and actually said, I'm ready. Let's do it. So I found a podcast to listen to and it was actually by Doug and Andrea Van Seuss with uh, um, Spouses Flipping Houses. Yeah. I, I think I binge listened to that entire 40 something series on a bullet train from Shanghai, China to Beijing, China in, in late February timeframe on a business trip. And I came home and I said, Ashley, I did not know any of this existed. I didn't know what wholesaling was, you know? And so this, this opened up our eyes. We consumed a lot of content and we immediately started looking and calling all the bandit signs and getting on cash sellers list or cash buyers list. And so we ran it. We, we went and looked at a handful of properties. We finally found one. We made an offer. It, it was accepted and we closed the week, uh, the, the last week in May. And I think the last week in July, we sold it, right? So we rehabbed it. I acted as a GC on that. I, I got the, the painter. I got the plumber. I got the, the, the flooring company. And I acted as a GC. I was working after work, you know, two, three hours while I could, swinging a hammer if I had to, and also at least a day on the weekend through all of June and all of July until we sold this house. And I told Ashley, I was like, wow, that was a whole nother job. <laughs> it was a whole nother job. And I didn't get to really spend a summer what I felt like with, with, with my family. And it hurt, right? So I said, we got to find a better way to do this. Yes, I saved a lot of money. But next time it's going to a GC and we'll check up on it. And that way we can work maybe at a little bit higher level and not at the grassroots. And we can work on bigger and better things, finding more deals and turning more flips versus working in them and tacking on other 20, 30 hours a week to my workload already. 
Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting flashbacks to like the first two years that I was doing this business. I was the same exact thing. I had a, a flying job and not an engineering job, but I was flying airplanes full time. And that's, that's anywhere from 10 to 12 hours a day, five days a week, typically my Monday through Friday. And it, if I'm, if I'm flying at night then I can work in the morning, if I'm flying early in the morning, I'm usually done by two 30 or three o'clock in the afternoon. So there's some goods and bads there. So at least I could adjust my schedule to be at the project all morning. But I also had that job renovating the house. And then I also had a family and I didn't have three kids at the time like you had last summer, it sounds like. So uh, that is another full-time job, right? Even for a dad, you're coming home. And uh, if you're, if your wife is a stay at home mom, they're handing you the kids and saying, I need a little break and you're taking over for the rest of the night normally. Uh, so I, I know exactly how you feel. And it was very similar too, because I was buying I, I was trying to buy rentals and I was putting 20% down. I have like the exact same story as you guys. I was putting 20% down and then I, I renovated a house and I was going to keep it as a rental. But my realtor said, you know, you could sell this thing made like 43,000, something like that. And it was perfect. And then I bought another rental and I, and I ran out of cash again, again and again and again, I kept running out of money. So, and then finally I just said, all right, enough of this. So it sounds like you guys were in a similar boat go, doing all the same steps, just a little, like maybe like a couple years behind me. And so, so now, uh, Ashley left your job, you guys, so you bought that house in May, you sold it in July. What did it look like? Do you guys make good money on it? Did, how did it go? What was that like? We did. We made good money off of it. Um, and it actually, we're in a really good area. It's pretty competitive. So I did an open house on it and I probably had 20 people come to that open house. Wow. It, it was awesome. <laughs> so it was a really good experience for our first house. Um, and we were under contract. We had multiple offers on it and under contract. So it was, it was really nice. And it's, it's been tough though, because now we look at the other ones and we have a contractor fee that we're adding on top of that. And we're like, Hey, that's taking away some of our profits. Um, and we're not, we're, that's the hardest part now is like pulling out and saying, no, we're not going to go work on this house. We're not going to save that much money. It's okay if we make a little bit less to get this done. But it was a, I mean, we didn't do, we did good on that house. Yeah, we, we learned a lot. I mean, we've, to back up, we have three rentals and we have rehabbed two of those. And so we're kind of familiar with the process. We, we know a lot about it, but this was knocking the rust off of me a little bit and getting back into the into the game because the last rental we bought was probably a year and a half ago. So we've not done anything since. And so life happens, but we're back in it. We're dedicated with a, with a, with a, with a redefined focus. And so um, we learned a lot with that first one. And now we have two more flips happening now. We hope to put one on the market next week. And, uh, and so we're still, we're, we're trying to now um, get more deal flow, get more deals. Right. So, we, so we've got a lot of people that listen to the, the podcast that are just getting started that, are, you know, it might, they might be looking at their first project. It's not like you bought one from a wholesaler. You did a lot of the work yourself to save money. What, and I'm going to ask the question that everybody is sitting in the car going, just tell me how much you made. Like how much did you guys make? I made pretty good money. Is it like $5? Is it 5,000? Is it 50,000? Is it 200,000? What did you guys make? So we went into it with a mentality that we could not lose money. We didn't care how much we made. We were more concerned about the learning experience and the education we would gain from it. So that was our mentality going in. But Ashley's a realtor. So we'd have to pay the 3% out to the listing agent. And we walked away with, I think, $43,000. About 43. Okay. So you guys are just copying me. That's exactly what you're doing. I made 43,000. You made 43,000. You got three kids. I got three kids. You're an engineer. I'm an engineer. Okay. All right. So 43. That's awesome. So, um, and what, what do you think that looks like if you didn't do all the work and, and stuff like that? Is it somewhere around twenty five to $30,000 that you make on a project like that, you think? 
probably around 30, right? Yeah, I would say, I mean, we're paying 20% to a contractor now, right? And okay. I did some of the work myself. So that would have added some. So yeah, 25 to 30. Okay. So that's still a pretty good deal, right? So a lot of people say you can't find deals from wholesalers. This was the summer. This was in May. This was not a long time ago. You're finding a deal from a wholesaler. So what you mentioned that there were some things that you like learned, learned along the way, some lessons, like what can you share from that experience that you think would help somebody who's just getting started? It maybe it's their first flip to avoid something like, like some of the things that you guys learned or some of the expectations that you had that, that were a little bit off. Yeah, sure. So Let's dig here and see. Um, the, HVs, I mean, the, the dryer vent. Yeah, one of the big things. So we, we went into this house and it, I call it a lipstick renovation, right? Paint throughout, um, new vanities in the baths, and we actually ended up replacing the entire kitchen. All, all the cabinets came out, uh, new appliances, tops, that type of thing. We actually went over the existing floor with LVP just because we didn't want to spend the money to tear out the, the flooring. So we went over hardwood and tile. Um, the, I, I think the biggest thing we were worried about was we didn't have to make the whole house look great. We needed to focus on certain things. We knew that this was a first time home buyer home and that uh, if anybody stepping into this property, it was probably already better than what they were currently in. And so I'm the type of guy that wanted top finishings on everything because that's my personal taste. That's my personal taste is top finishes on everything. And I had to hold back thanks to Ashley. She, she would help dial me back in, but Ashley says, Chad, we don't need to update every single room or every single bathroom, right? Let's focus on a couple things that, that hit home with most buyers, which is the kitchen, right? And maybe the master and, and that's it. Right. So um, that was a big thing was really start determining what we needed to go in the property versus what we didn't. What was added expenses that would take away from our bottom line? What was that balance? So that's nothing you can lay, lay a finger on. It's kind of a case by case, property by property basis. Um, that that was a big thing for us. I would I would say though too, Bill, is to do it. Like literally, we kept looking at each other like, how did we get this deal? That wholesaler probably sent out to so many other flippers and they didn't get that deal and we got the deal. So I remember negotiating the price on this deal and I called him and I said, Hey, will you, will you take this? And you know, we were a couple grand less or whatever. And he's like, Oh no, I'm at this price. I'm like, all right, let's do it because we wanted it. And, and I wanted to get that first one underneath our belt. So, I mean, that shaved off like two grand. I was like, all right, it's going to take off two grand of our profit. And Chad and I went into this like, if we make $10,000, we're happy because we just flipped a house and $10,000 is a couple of months of my W-2 job. Like I don't get that, you know? So that, that 10,000 was a big deal. So it's like, if we can just do it to where we make 10,000, let's do it. So we didn't go into this making, saying I have to make 40,000 to make this work. We went into it with that so that we could get that experience. So even if somebody out there is new and, they want to get their feet wet, but they're really nervous. Just put what you, what is something that's going to make you happy? Because $10,000 is a lot of money. And we went in there doing that and we watched our budget the whole time. And we were, yeah, we were able to make a lot more money because we were able to do the work. But if you're not as handy and you do need to get a contractor out there, then make sure it's quality work and it's done per the comps. Like I kept looking at the comps. And I'm like, hey, the comps don't have brand new windows. We don't need to put brand new windows in this one. You know, we don't need to make it 
$300,000 finishings when it's a $200,000 house. So you want to stick with those comps and then, you know, kind of figure out what works, but just do it and get that first deal so that you can get it under your belt. Yeah, Chad, it's a good thing that you have the voice of reason next to you because it sounds like you would have uh, over-renovated the home potentially because of, and that's, that's exactly what I did. It's, it's what all first-time flippers do typically. Um, you way over-renovate. You don't look at the other surrounding areas. You don't look at the houses and what they've sold. You don't, you just say, oh, I wouldn't want new windows in this house. These windows are nasty. They're junky. Mm -hmm. And really you got to, you got to figure out what the, the, the way that I always tried to figure it out was if I price my houses around the the other house prices in the neighborhood, but I make them a little bit nicer. I also, I look at what's active right now, what's recently sold, but really I, I look at it like I'm competing with everybody. Everybody's going to go into that neighborhood and going to look around the other three or four houses that are out there. And then they're going to see mine. Mine's going to be a little bit nicer. It's going to be priced about the same amount and it's going to be a no brainer. That's why you had 20 people walking through the first day and multiple offers because you probably had the nicest house in the, in the neighborhood priced about the same as the other ones. And it's just like here, I, I, we moved into a brand new house like six months ago. And if I wanted to sell it tomorrow, I'm in trouble because I'm competing with all the new construction homes. And so I have to bring my price down to, for somebody to even buy something that doesn't smell brand new. So it's, there's definitely that over renovating thing. And I think the biggest thing to point out to the newer flippers or anybody that's listening is your attitude. So the attitude and the mindset that I hear on, of everybody that I've interviewed this, these past couple weeks has been, let's just get out there and do it. Like if it's a learning lesson, if we make some money, great. If we break even, this is the cheapest education that we've ever had. It's a free education or somebody's going to pay us $10,000 to learn. This is a no brainer. And right. a lot of times what we'll do is we'll shoot down these deals where it, it, as we get going, we think that there's a, a number like 30, I, a minimum of $30,000 or I'm not going to do the project because you got a lot of these bigger players and people like companies like mine, where if I made $10,000, I'm actually losing money because I got to pay all my staff and my overhead and all that stuff. But you know, we run the numbers and keep it tight so that we make sure that we're a profitable company doing big, bigger business. And those, I love, like I'm a wholesaler. So when I get that first time flipper or some like a, a couple like you guys is like, I need a house. I want to get on your buyer's list. I'm like, good. This, I know that you guys can pay a little bit more. So, you, so a lot of people are using their own money or they're doing the work themselves or they don't need as big of a profit margin and things like that. And they're going to cut their teeth on a project. It, it makes sense. And a lot of times now what I see is people are, they, they think that 30, 40, $50,000 is what they need to make. So they're just not even making an offer on our properties or something like that. And as you become a little bit bigger wholesaler, obviously we have some institutional investors and buyers and stuff like that, that just blow people out of the water paying way more than you can't even sharpen your pencil fine enough to, to compete with that. But I love that attitude and mindset that you guys have going into this and just, we're going to figure it out. And fortunately it sounds like you guys had some of the background of, fixing up some other houses, you were handy. Do you feel like guys being handy and knowing how to do the work hamstrings you sometimes and, and funneled you into actually doing it instead of trying to figure out how to remove yourself from those day-to-day -day operations? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I look at it, case in point, fence guy came out and for a small section of fence, he said, Hey, 1800 bucks. And I'm thinking I can do it for $250. And I did. Right. <laughs> but, but that's my time. And so I spent a weekend away from the family doing that. Yeah, made a lot of money or saved a lot of money, but it, it, it cost me a weekend and, and we put a big value on our time. That's, that's time away from the family. And everything that came apart, came by, every, every quote I got, I thought, 
I can do it for this. I can do it for this. Right. But I wasn't accounting for my time. And obviously contractors have to make money, right? They're in the business to make money. And so, yes, it does hamstring you. And so it's difficult with these next two flips. I told Ashley I'm out and, and it's really been a struggle for me to say I'm out of this one because I want to be in there hands on doing this stuff because I know it's done right. I know to the quality level that it's done. I know I'm up close and personal with it. Right. <clears throat> and so these next two, we feel like we have a really good trustworthy contractor. This is the test. Um, we happen to fall into the third. So we are using him on the second, but so far so good. And I've been able to step out and go check on these properties once a week, a couple hours versus 20 hours on each of these properties. And it's been a blessing so that now we can work on bigger things for the business to what you say a lot, you know, work, work on the business, not in the business. And as small as our business is, and as green as we are to this industry, um, we feel like we can already implement some of these lessons that we've learned as far as work on your business, not necessarily in it, because if we're working in it, it's probably going to handicap us a little bit more than working on it from a higher level. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's not my saying. So I just recycled that. So it's definitely not mine. So um, the, the, I, I totally agree with that. You've got to, you've got to really kind of step out and, and delegate and elevate. You know, this is the biggest thing is, is figure out how you, and you're delegating to, you know, third-party contractors and, and subcontractors and things like that. But what I realized when I just lifted my head up from a project that took me four months and I was in it, like all my blinders were on, it was all I was focused on is it took me six more months to find the next project. There was, there's no other, and I wasn't raising money and I wasn't getting leads and I wasn't doing any of the things to keep my pipeline full that you're probably hopefully working on now where, like you said, now, now instead of that one project that you had, now you have two and you just said you like fell into a third. So like it, it's because probably you're taking these actions and you're making these steps to start thinking about what's best for the business long-term. Like what's next, what's next, what's next. And you can't like, I interviewed my, my CEO a couple weeks ago, uh, an old commanding officer of mine. And he said that one of the skippers before him was really good at the long ball, like looking at the long ball, looking out in the distance, not necessarily like what's right in front of him all the time. And as a leader and an owner of a business CEO, whatever you want to call it, you've got to figure out how to look long-term and figure out the next steps in the future. That's what being a visionary is all about. And that's where the, the best run companies have these visions of the future. So, um, one thing you mentioned about the contractor, I'm just going to throw it in there for people. If you're trying out a contractor, what happens, what I always find is if I got a general contractor that's jumping in on one job and he's doing really well, what the kind of person that I am, I'm like, this is awesome. This guy can handle a ton. We should give him another one and then another one and another one. How many can I give this guy? And I've jumped into the trap of having somebody do a really good job on the one that they're doing. And then when I give them three or four, they fall flat on their face. They just, business is not set up for it. They're not that right person. They're really good at doing maybe one or two at a time. So I would caution anybody who's listening to even a project manager, even a staff member, anybody that comes on, just kind of organically grow that relationship because what we do as, as flippers and, and visionaries, like big time visionaries, we just go, okay, they got it. Here you go. Here's all of it. And we give them five or 10 projects at a time. They, crack, they, they screw up all of them and our business is left burning to the ground. And I don't know, they're, they're over at Chuck E. Cheese with their kids because they don't care anymore. Right. They're gone. So it's, 
it's interesting and I've seen it happen time and time again, not just with contractors, but primarily with contractors, but also with staff members and things like that, where you bring somebody on, they'll start figuring it out and you'll go, oh, this person can handle so much more and you'll just dump your plate right on them. So um, I'm not saying that you guys are going to do that or thinking about doing that, but I, just a cautionary tale for anybody who's listening to this, that it, we typically do it with contractors. And a lot of times they're really good with a couple projects, but when you try to give them too many, they just don't know how to prioritize those, those projects and how to get them done and things like that. And they don't have enough subcontractors and they'll say that they can do more and more and more. Nobody ever says no, they don't want to say no. So, um, so, okay. So this one project, you made $43,000 and then what does that look like? Do you take that money and did you buy another rental or do you just trying to ramp up your company right now? We are trying to ramp up the company right now. So, um, all of that went back into the next, the two current deals that we have going right now. So that went into it. Our initial investment money that we had went into it. So with these two deals that we have going on right now, we're pretty much at our, we're at that max. Um, but we want to, all the profits that we get right now, we want to be able to put right back into the business so that we can ramp it up. Yes. Fortunately, I'm able to sustain our family on, on my W2 income. And so what we don't want to do is bleed our bleed our profits dry from, from the business that we're trying to scale and ramp up. Although it's slow and, and in its infancy right now, we want to give it the best opportunity to succeed and grow and scale. And so that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the full-time job because it's the same thing that we talked about with the fact that you know how to swing a hammer or do work. It's, it, depending on how you look at anything, the glass is either half empty or half full, right? So you got people who say, oh yeah, that's like, you can do your own work. You have such an advantage to me. And then other people that say, oh yeah, you do your own work. You shouldn't do your own work. You should be doing other things. It's actually a disadvantage. Same thing with the W2 job. I hear people all the time say, I can't do that. I have a job. And I hear people go, I can't do that. I don't have a job. I don't have any money. So it's really just the way you look at it. You can t take any of these things and turn them into an advantage or a disadvantage, just depending on what your mindset is and how you look at it. So my recommendation is always to look at everything like an advantage, figure out how you can make it your advantage, and then use that as kind of like your secret superpower, your secret weapon, whatever you want to call it. And for me, it was like you guys, W2 job, it was great because I didn't have to rob my business of any of the profits. I could dump it right back in. And people always ask me, how, how did you grow so fast? How were you able to scale this thing up like you did? It was just organically growing the company with its own, its own profits. You know, I was just, I didn't have to suck out. I, I talk to people all the time that they're paying themselves 10, $15,000 a month. I'm like, do you need 10 or 15? And they, they have, they're full-time real estate investors. But I, I'm, I'm, do you need to pay yourself $200,000, $180,000 a year? Or can you live off of like four or $5,000 a month right now and you want to grow your business? You can't have it all. You can't suck your business dry and equity strip your company and think that you're going to grow it organically. Just not going to happen. So I think it's really smart what you guys are doing. And it's nice to, to, to think about that long term. So if the W-2 job is going to sustain you for your living expenses and everything that you guys have going on, and then you, you're growing the company with some sort of some sort of plan, right? You have a plan mm -hmm. for it and where you want to go. And ultimately, for me, it was about a year and a half down the road where I said, okay, I'm ready. And the one recommendation I have for you guys that I did is I put a, I put a salary for me on the books. So the company was actually, you know, owing me money, but I would loan it back to the company. So I was actually structuring it for a tax advantage standpoint for me, but I was actually 
on the books paying myself and then loaning it back to the company. So a year and a half later, when I had eight or nine employees and I had a debt on the company from some, some loans and things like that from other people, I was able to say, okay, over the last year and a half, the company owes me 165,000, let's call it just rough. You know, it was somewhere around there. I was somewhere between 150 and 200 grand. And I said, okay, now the company has it. It's time for them to pay it back. And then I zeroed the loan and I, able to, I was able to pay myself a big lump sum for the last year and a half. So at least think about something like that because what you don't want to do is a year and a half from now, you guys just worked for free. You get to the point where you got a bunch of employees and there's equity in the business, but you have nothing for yourself for the last year and a half. So it's very easy to do that too as a W-2 employee where you go, I don't need the money. And then a year and a half later you go, well, like we made $100,000 in 2019. We made $200,000 in 2020, but we've never paid ourselves a dollar. Where's all that money? And it's now instead of doing two renovation projects at a time, you're doing 10 at a time. And it's all in your houses instead of in your bank account and then being loaned back to the company. Because then what you do is you step out and you say, Hey, if you guys want money from me, the owner, you got to come ask for it. And that's what it happened. That's what happens with me in the company. Now the company right now owes me $162,351 and 68 cents plus interest because I charge a pretty hefty interest to my company. But like Nate has to, my COO, Nate and our, our CFO, they have to come contact me and say, Hey, Bill, we need a loan. It's not just like my money is your money anymore. My, my, my balance gets zeroed. And then if you guys need money from me, cause you can't raise it or like that's still my responsibility. I have to go out and raise money. But if I just get lazy and I say, well, if the company wants to use my money, I'll, I'll get paid an interest rate. Then I loan it. I loan it to the company. So the company and I are square except for the debt that they have on the books right now, which hopefully I get back next week. Um, that's pretty but, smart though. <laughs> yeah. But it, so now, so now the company and what you'll see from a, and I'm not a CPA, but if the company's paying me 12% or it's a dividend or anything, like I'm making interest and I'm paying interest. So it's a wash for me as the owner. Right. Um, so, but it's, it's nice that the company actually has to come to me and ask me for, so I'm effectively unplugged from the company. My money isn't just the same as theirs anymore. So you'll get to that point. It won't be long before you get there, but just start thinking about how you guys can start paying yourselves on the books or start accounting for that because you're putting in the work right now. Like you guys are going to want to, you're going to want to take that money out. And when you're flipping houses, it's really hard because when you have a ton of equity in your business, you basically have to shut the door of your business, sell every house that you own, and then you figure out how much money you have. So as you're going to go from two houses to five houses to 10 houses, the next thing you know, you're going to go, you're still going to be on this cash roller coaster. So that's the thing that we talk about a lot in the altitude group is trying to figure out how much equity you have in the business, how to pay yourself, how to actually run a business, a real business. So, um, okay. So do you, what do you guys feel about the, like the growth of the company? Where do you want to be? You're doing two houses now. Um, so with that, as well as how are you guys financing this stuff? You, did you take all the money from the first one and just kind of roll it into the second? You paying cash for these things? You have loans? What does that look like? So um, for the very first one, that was one of our things for all the listeners that are looking at like, what do I do to even get started? Where do I get that money? We <laughs> didn't just have a whole lot of people that we could borrow money from. Um, we actually had, or yeah, we had equity into our primary home and we were able to pull a HELOC out for that. Um, and so that's what we did on the first one to be able to get that deal was to, was through the HELOC. So that is a 10 year period for the HELOC. So the first house that, or the second house that we got, we were able to take the money that we made. We put that back into it and we've got some of the HELOC. Um, this, the third house that we're working on right now, we actually ended up doing a hard money loan with. 
So we've kind of got a mixture. Um, and it was our first time doing the hard money loans. So we that was a little bit of a learning experience with the expenses and the fees and all that stuff that they charge. Um, so that's where we're at with the with lending wise. And we've learned real quick though, I could think that private monies <laughs> would be a little bit easier than the hard money loans. Um, so we've been trying to work on building the private money up as well, just to get that, that going as well. So we've got some more cash available. Okay. I would say that's probably your primary objective now. So yeah. continue to find the houses, but number one is get the cost of money down because that's really where you're going to see if you, because what's going to happen is from that first project, you got $43,000 and then you're going to get squeezed this way from the contractor. Then you're going to get squeezed this way from the cost of money because you don't even have any cost of money in there either. Cause it's all your cash you, from that HELOC. You might be at Oh, I don't know, 4% or something like that on your HELOC, maybe five, depending, maybe even less if you have a great deal. And what, what's going to happen is that, and the best part is you can write that off on your taxes too, as a mortgage deduction. So now you've got, um, now you've got your, your cost of money squeezing you too. And next thing you know, you're getting into this world and it doesn't feel comfortable when you're in that world. The third one that we have right now going doesn't feel comfortable at all. Like it, we have squeezed it because of the hard money loan and because of um, the contractor. So it's just, we're, we're running tight on that one. So we know that this one's not going to be as profitable as the other ones were. And it's the one that we're hoping to put on the market next week. So we'll see how that all pans out. Good. And what, what a lot of times happens is now you've got this hard money loan and you've got this contractor on that job and you got these other two jobs and that's your money. So then what you do, and maybe you guys are doing this, maybe you're not, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are doing this is you go, okay, I got these three projects going on. This one's costing me a lot more money to hold. I'm going to get this one done first. So I'm going to put all my effort into this one. And these other two are going to sit over here and wait on the shelf for me to finish this one. And then I'm going to get that one up and then I'm going to go work on these two. And what you, what you find is you're, you're taking, you're not paying attention to your cash. Like you, your cash is sitting in those other two houses that are at risk for like long-term holds, for changes, for things like that. So you're not prioritizing your own money the way that you should. So a lot of times you're saying, oh, that hard money lender costs so much more. So we're going to get this thing on the market before these other two, even though the other two should have been done first. So I don't know if that's the situation, but a lot of people do that. They say, well, this doesn't really cost us that much. So we're going to wait. We, we, it happens to us. We have 10 projects going on and the team says, oh, well, we need to get this one done because the loans come and due pretty soon, or uh, it's just going to be easier to get this one done. And then one just sits there for six months, eight months. And I just, I'm like, what is going on with that project? Um, we don't have enough people or so-and-so left for the hurricane or all these things happen. We don't have enough subs and it just sits there and it drives me nuts because it's company cash. So they, they're not, so what I started doing, by the way, is I put 12% loan on all company cash too now. If you've got a house that's owned 100% by the company, I'm going to take 12% off of that and give it back to the company as a loan. So everybody treats all the money the same. So it meant, it's a mental shift for us if we're using our own money, which I want you guys to stop doing that. We'll start working on that, figure out how to use less of your money. So you're, you know, you're not out there and feeling pressured because when we feel pressured, we start getting into a little bit more defensive mode. So, um, okay. So working on money, finding the money and you've got three projects now. So what's the plan going forward? Is it still just you two in the business and working with subcontractors? Do you guys have a plan for the next kind of three to six months? So we've been working on this now. Um, we are, have started cold calling 
and I like literally just started, I just got all the, the list back and everything last week. So, um, I was on it today and I told Chad, I was like, I think I just hired our first employee <laughs> because I'm not a great person on the phone closing and, you know, and getting deals and stuff like that. So, um, that's what we're working on right now is to actually get some more people to do the cold calling for us. And that frees up time because we don't have a whole lot of time as well. So even though I'm staying at home, um, homeschooling and having a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old running around is really hard to make calls and stuff, right? So it's during nap times and it's at bedtime when they're at nine, nine o'clock at night, you're on, I'm on the computer doing different things. So I'm not making calls at that point. So I told Chad, I was like, we need to go ahead and hire somebody that can start doing calls. Um, and so that's one of our things is to kind of start getting everything geared up because before, um, when we first started going into this with the first deal, we bought it from a wholesaler. So I was like, why don't we just buy from wholesalers? Like, why do we need to do all the marketing to get all the leads in to do this lead generation? We'll just buy from all the wholesalers. Well, what we're finding out is we're not getting a ton of deals from wholesalers and the deals that we are aren't as great as what we would want them to be. So um, we've started doing that marketing ourselves too, to try to get some more deal flow coming in um, and to help substitute as well. Like if, if we could do a wholesale deal, then that brings us some money in for the month or two, you know, it's that way our money's not all tied up for four months while we're waiting on the next flip to get on the market, to sell it and close and do all of that stuff. So ultimately in the, you know, in the next, six months I'd like to see that we have two or three people making calls for us and doing the lead generations um, and then Chad's really good at going in and, and doing the sales calls with everybody but at the same time that's still his time so we want to hire on somebody else as well that can go and do those um, sales calls as well so just kind of starting to delegate the company so that we can we still want to put stuff into it, but we don't have as much time. So we need to be able to keep it going without us doing all of the little stuff. To sum that up, we basically have generated a list and we're looking into niche list now. So we have a list, we've skipped trace, we have numbers. We want to either a hire out that or have actually do it for just a little bit of time, just get her feet wet with it. She, she's done it for a couple of days now. She, she realizes she doesn't like it, <laughs> but she, she'll do it until we can get somebody else trained on to do it. Right. And hopefully that starts getting some deal flow. And once we have enough deal flow that I can't personally take care of, we will end up hiring on, um, you know, a sales, a sales guy, um, salesperson lead intake and go from there. And so whatever the, whatever the need calls for, that's what we'll attack next. It's kind of our mentality. Yeah. I think that's really smart. Uh, I, I always, I've always been the kind of guy who tries it first and then doesn't like it. And now I'm more of, I've realized that I'm, I'm fine with being the guy who just hires it out because I, I, I've learned. And the, the only reason, the reason I bring that up is because a lot of people will say, just go like, know yourself, hire, like we talked about a flip hacking live, know yourself, hire your, hire out your weaknesses, focus on your strengths, stuff like that. It took me a few years to figure out who I was. And in order to do that, I had to go down the path that I went down. I had to sit in all the seats of my company personally. That's just the kind of person I am. And I've learned enough about myself to know that I have a big problem with that. And it sounds like Chad, you have somewhat of that problem with, you're like, I just want to do the fence. I know I can do it. It's done right. In, and I hear a lot of myself in you because 
for me, it was always about the quality of the work, making sure that it's done. Are they going to do it as good as me? Um, are they going to do it close to me? Or is it going to be 50% of what I would do? Or is it going to be at my level of quality and be comfortable with it? Because I got to put my name on it. I got to put my stamp on it. Right. And that was a lot of my struggle as I was hiring people and building out a company and the subcontractors and all of that stuff is that I didn't really think that anybody could do it as well as me. And I don't, I don't say that to be really arrogant or, or anything like that, but I just felt like nobody would care about things like my stuff, my business as much as me. And what I found out over these past four or five years is now the people that you saw on stage at Flip Hacking Live and the people that are presenting there, some of them care about the company more than I do. Like they really love it. They, they are working harder than I ever have and, and doing it because they, they're really passionate about it and about our mission and what we're doing and all the other people. And so you can find those people. They're absolutely out there. And all you got to do is you got to get them ingrained in your culture, in your business and who you are and just find the people that have that fit and then start, you know, helping them along the way because they're going to start at like 60 to 80% of you. And then they're going to get to 120%. And there's people out there that can do stuff 10 times better. So I hate answering the phone. That's the first thing that I gave away. I, I did answer it for a while and I knew that I hated it because every time it rang, I just didn't want to pick it up. I'd find some excuse not to. I would be busy. I would start cooking dinner. I, I mean, it was, it was like I was putting off and I'd always put off the return calls. I would find something else that wasn't going to make me any money when the return calls would. So I, that I know, I knew just like you said, who to hire. It's just basically like they hired themselves. Ashley, you said it. You said, I'm pretty sure we found our first hire because it's a thing that I absolutely don't want to do anymore. Hi, and when you yeah. wake up in the morning, you're like, ah, this is not my, the thing that I want to be doing. So it's, it sounds like you guys have, uh, you guys have it all figured out. You've got it licked. Really. Um, <laughs> uh, but I love the attitude. It's just kind of like, the next thing that comes up will, will attack that. And then the next, it'll kind of show itself, right? The weakness will show itself. We'll take care of it. We'll kind of slay the next dragon. I always call it the kind of the closest alligator to the boat. So, um, as the, as that closest alligator gets, gets up there, we'll start whacking it with the paddle. Right. And then the next one gets closer. I don't need to worry about the one that's 10 feet away. So, right. so, Let's talk a little bit about Flip Hacking Live. So we met at Flip Hacking Live. You guys said that you listened to the podcast. You weren't sure. You thought it was kind of like a scam or something like that. And then uh, maybe I'm paraphrasing incorrectly, but then you like what made you, what like pushed you to say, okay, let's buy a ticket and a plane ticket and the hotel and somebody to watch the kids and all that stuff. It's not an easy undertaking to go from Atlanta to San Diego for three days in paradise, I will say. Um, and do all that, especially when you guys have W2 jobs, it's Thursday and Friday and Saturday and you have kids and all that stuff. So what was that like? So I'm going to stop you real quick. I'm just going to say first, this was our first vacation in six years by ourselves. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so it was a major deal because I was like, we hadn't, we'd always had babies. And so we hadn't left any of our babies until they were at least two years old. And my son at the time, he's, He's like 19 months. So he was right there and I was like, okay, he's going to be okay. He'll be okay to go so we can go. But he's it was the third kid. He'll be fine. The third one is like, drop him on his head. He'll be fine. Let him cry. We'll take care of the other ones. Yeah, right. he'll be good. But that was, I mean, that's what we realized. We're like, we have not taken a vacation by ourselves in six years. So this was actually the first vacation that we took. And we're like, this is going to be an investment for ourselves. Like, let's do it. We need, we need to go. We need to make it work. And 
I'll let you do it. Cause Chad came home and he's like, we're going to buy a ticket. Yeah. So with, with me through, through the podcast, I was trying to consume as much content as possible and, and educate myself because we were doing this right. So I was trying to take the, the, the right steps to educate myself enough to know that when I got into a room with other real estate investors that I kind of knew some of the lingo, I kind of knew what the keywords were in these things because beforehand it was just Ashley and I just doing our thing. We, we weren't involved in a RIA. We weren't in a real estate community. We were just doing what we thought we knew and we would do that. So, so I'm consuming content. I run across, I think it was Andy McFarlane first and then um, to Justin Williams. And then I heard you come on, I think your first podcast with, I think, I think Justin, um, if I, I may be misremembering that. So I've, I've listened to, I don't want to say a hundred podcasts, but, but probably 75. And of those 75, um, well, no more than that. Anyways, yeah. of, of that, I've, I've, I've heard you, I've heard Justin, I've heard, I've, I've heard the flip hacking live and, um, the seven figure flipping people on there enough to know that I just got a genuine feel for them. I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of character and I felt like it was legit and I'm a hard one to please, right? I'm, I'm a hard one to convince. And I, I, I felt just legitimacy in the content and the struggles that were being portrayed on the podcast. And it kind of, it, it kind of wrote to me and I wanted to learn more. So I consumed more and I had made up my mind that we need to, we need to go to flip hacking live. And then we spoke about it. Um, and I think we actually talked ourselves out of it because we were in the middle of our flip at the time. And I said, you know what? Hey, we've got this going on. We're learning a ton. Let's just keep doing this. And I forget the podcast exactly. It was with you. You had taken over from Justin. You were the one hosting the podcast. And I was listening to one on a commute to work. And I came to Ashley and I said, Ashley, executive decision. We're going. Let's make this happen. We're doing it. I said, I don't know what we're going to learn yet but I can guarantee it's a lot more than we know right now. And it's going to involve us in a community of people that will help us reach our goals faster, more efficiently, less trouble. Right. And so that's what it was for me. I said, we're going, we're going. We, we also looked at it as a business expense. So we had just closed on that first deal, right? So we made that 43,000. We're like, you know what, we're going to take the money and we're going to reinvest it in ourselves. So we did pay for that trip based off of that, that money that we made. So some of the, some of the profits went to that and that was uh, us trying to put that investment back into ourselves. Um, and the next day I went and bought the tickets and was on looking at flights and Chad's like, wait a minute. I'm like, I already did it. We're, we're going. <laughs> so we got it done. Cool. So I, I'm, I'm glad that we could pull you guys out of the kid world and go on a vacation and you just happen to spend your vacation on personal development and professional <laughs> development. So that's a, that's one of my core values. So I appreciate that. And you guys, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I, first of all, thank you. I'm, I'm honored that you kind of are have, like gravitate towards us and the community and who, who we are and what we speak to, because uh, I'm not a very easy person to please either. I think that we have a lot of similarities, Chad, in what I'm hearing on this and a lot of the things that you're saying. And it was really hard for me to pull that same trigger. I got, I got roped in with the podcast too. And I basically just, just ran my credit card for $25,000 from listening to the podcast. So, um, 
it was definitely, and it was the same thing. I made the $43,000 on that house. And I said, I am not going to these houses nonstop anymore. I'm just done with it. I've been doing it for two years. I just, I, I'm, I'm on a hamster wheel. I can't, I got to stop doing it. They got this figured out. I'm going to figure, I'm, I'm just going to go join them. I'm going to jump into this community. And if they help me find one more deal, it makes sense. And, and it did. And it's kind of like the, the beginning of the tra- trajectory for me and my company and now all the people that are, are in the business. Uh, so I, I love it. And and it was just that first meeting. It was like showing up. It was actually that first kind of meeting Andy McFarlane and just seeing how genuine he is as a person. It just made me feel really comfortable. And I was like, this is, this is just the best money I've, I've ever spent, I think. And so, so you guys came to the event a little bit skeptical, weren't sure. You felt like you listened to the podcast. And uh, so what, what was that like for you guys? Were, did you guys know right away that it was, was going to be good? Did, were you guys still unsure, like kind of Thursday when you, or Wednesday when you showed up and stuff like that? Or um, what was that like? Yeah. So like I said, we, we weren't sure what we would learn. We just knew it would be a lot more than what we already knew. And so, yeah, we, we were skeptical. We were reserved. Um, I was actually disappointed when I found out there were 650 people there because I kind of wanted to have just a little bit of one-on-one time with some other presenters and, 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 and of course you. Um, so it really made my day whenever we bumped into you on the walkway and we kind of had our quick, just 10 minute exchange. And so that was great. Having said that, I like the fact that you said, change your seat every time. This is networking, right? Maximize your time. And so Ash and I did that. We took it to heart. We always tried to talk with people and we met a lot of really cool, genuine people there. And so it helped solidify for us that, hey, there's a lot of good quality people in this industry making money, doing exactly what we, we hope to, to be doing one day and at the level we hope to be one day. And so we know that we're on our journey and to use Chad's phrase, you know, we, we start where our feet are. Um, and we're okay with that. You know, we're, 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 we're in this for the ride, for the learning and, and for the growth and just seeing all, all walks of life at various stages in their journey at this event with all similar focus was, was, was very refreshing and very inspiring. Well, it, it was nice because in our environment, when we talk to people, they're like, oh, you know, a recession's coming. You know, something's going to happen. Are you really going to make money at this? You need to be careful. And when we were there, we're like, uh, people are making six and seven figures. Like, we can do this. And we can make it happen. And there's ways to do it, even if there's a recession. And there's ways to do it. You know, there's ways to protect ourselves and to build it on that organic foundation that you can keep it going. So, um, it was nice to meet people that had that same mindset and that were gun ho and ready to go. So that was, that was really nice. And the content we got was, even though it was high level presenters there, as far as what they do in their field of expertise, they, they do it at a high level. It resonated with Ash and I being as green as we are stepping into the business. We, we could see, you know, what our business could become and it could also help us right now currently get better and so we got that from from all the presenters there and we we felt refreshed we felt energized and we're trying to keep that 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 level of commitment and dedication and uh high right because it's easy to come off one of these events and it'd be cyclical or seasonal right you're it's, it's the hot fire mentality. 
throw some logs on a fire, get that thing roaring, right? Go off about your business and it dies down and, and you forget until it starts getting cold. Then you go throw some logs on it and fire it back up. We want to keep that fire roaring as intense as we can for as long as possible. And meeting people here, getting in the Facebook group, that helps it because it's a daily reminder of people in the business doing deals, you know, achieving their goals every day. And, and that helps me. That helps me. I mean, I feel like we're pretty driven, but let's face it. Even we have our slumps and, and our peaks and valleys and, and this, this helps, right? It, it helps, it helps keep us focused and uh, intentional about our daily activities and what we want to accomplish to reach our goals. Yeah. Even, even the most, the highest achieving people, the most successful people have their ups and downs, right? We all have, you can be as driven as you want. You can be as goal oriented as you want. You can be as accountable to yourself as you want to say. And I still remember when Becca challenged me on the call that we did, the the podcast that we did about accountability before Flip Hacking Live, she was basically like, yeah, well, you, you you know, I don't think you've ever failed at anything. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I absolutely have. And I, I need accountability on a regular basis, just like anybody else. And it doesn't matter what kind of level you achieve to, you always need somebody who is pushing you. And you need somebody who's there. I'll tell you right now, my videographer, you, you guys may have seen him at, at Flipbacking Live, Andre, he's running around with the video camera all the time. He, him and I are going to the gym every morning. And I get in there, he gets in there at eight o'clock. I get in there at eight 15. He does a little cardio. I meet him and I am, I'm pushing myself harder than I ever have with him because I'm, I have a spotter now. I have somebody that can help me. I can, I can move up in weight where I got somebody else who's there. He's moving up. I want to move up too. And even just that where he's, he's at a point where he, he can't lift like half of what I can, but he's pushing me to be better just by, just by showing up with me. And it's just that partner, that accountability at whatever level it is. So, I mean, you can be at a much higher level and have somebody who's at a lower level than you and they're pushing you at the higher level too. So you guys being on the accountability calls and and getting in the mix with everybody else, even being green or, you know, somewhat experienced with a, a more experienced person that working together pushes everybody to do a little bit more. So you mentioned that's, that was the challenge for me at Flip Hacking Live to figure out how how we can speak to the really advanced person and the people who are just getting started at the same time over three days and make sure we put together a lineup and the content that we, we speak to all of those people because that's, that's a challenging thing to have people who are doing 200 houses a year and people have never done a deal and each of them feel like you're speaking to them. And the only other place that I see that happen is in church. That's the only other place that I've seen that happen where I'm just, I'll be sitting there going, this guy is speaking directly to me. It's the Holy Spirit through this man is speaking to me. And my wife is sitting next to me thinking something totally different and in totally different place going, he's talking to me. And so trying to figure out how we do that and how we structure it. And I'm by no means am I trying to compare myself to, to a pastor, but, um, trying to figure out how we do that is, is, wasn't really important to me. I love that like fire roaring idea. And the other thing actually that you mentioned is we've got these, we've got all these people in our lives and we, we love them and their family and their friends and we go get around them, but they don't think like us. These people just don't think like us. I had a, I had somebody one time, a guy who showed up at a RIA meeting. I think it was, it's, it's almost four years ago now. 2016, because it was the presidential election year. And he is coming, he comes into the RIA meeting and I'm working on building my buyers list. I'm, I'm green. I'm just getting started. And I'm, I've sold a couple deals, sold a couple contracts. I've probably done maybe, I've had maybe 10 or 15 deals under my belt at this time. And 
he said that he was buying property. I knew he was buying properties. He was flipping houses. And he says to me, he goes, I'm not so sure what's going to happen with the economy in this election. I'm not going to buy any more houses until after the election. Because depending on who gets elected, I'm not sure if it's going to be a stable environment for me to continue flipping in. And I said, okay, man, well, I'm just going to continue making money while you sit on the sideline and wait. And since then, we have made $7 million, $6 million in profit, gross profit since, since then. And maybe more, maybe seven. Like if I added up all the numbers, like seven, fifth, six, seventy, seven hundred, one point three. That's two million. Two point three. That's four and a half. And three. That's like seven and a half million. Seven. That's just around seven million. And if he's still sitting on this, like he's not buying from me right now. I don't know what he's doing. But can you imagine if four years ago I said, you know what? You're right. I'm just gonna sit over here with you, and let's go play table tennis and relax and wait for this crash to happen. I would be in a totally different personal situation, financial situation, everything right now. So I feel like, you know, you can blink and it's over or you can decide to take that step like you guys did and say, you know what, we're going to take this leap. We're going to take this chance. We're going we're gonna to go out there and we're going to do something different. And I, I interviewed Larry and Janet French, who are also in the runway program, who I met in, um, in Puerto Rico recently. And they said the same thing. They said, you know what, we, we, when, when the crash was happening, we were running towards the houses and buying houses when everybody was running away. And everybody looked at us like we were crazy. And it's funny because right now we're in this booming economy and most people are going, oh, I don't know if we should get involved in that. There's a recession coming. It could crash. And you always have the, it doesn't matter what's going on. You always have the people who are going to tell you that what you're doing is wrong or give you this unsolicited free advice that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So I've been in those situations. I've seen that stuff. And it's really what I find is it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's happening. Like everybody has something going on in their life. There's something that's going on with the economy, with the, the job market, with all this stuff. And just like your full-time jobs and just like you guys being handy uh, at, at working on the houses and, and having some equity in your home, if you take everything and just look at it a positive and try to figure out how you can capitalize on what's going on and be smart about it, you're going to run a successful business. And when the market crashes, we'll look at it and we'll be together as a group, this mastermind group going, okay, what do we need to do now? How can we work together to figure this out? We're not on our own in an island somewhere going, the sky's falling, I'm at sell, sell, sell. No, we're going to go figure out how to make, market, how to make money in a down market or a market that's starting to turn. Or, and we're talking to each other and the guys in, in San Francisco and San Diego and, and in New York and LA, they're going, Hey guys, my houses are sitting on the market a little bit longer. And now me and Pensacola is going, okay, we're a couple more months. We're going to have some trouble. So let's, let's start selling off some inventory. Let's not buy. Let's change our buying model a little bit. Let's start thinking about what's going to happen. And so that's, that's the cool part. I think about being around the people that are all positive all the time, figuring it out as opposed to the doomsday doom and gloom people who are going, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe you guys shouldn't start flipping houses. You guys are crazy. Don't do that. Ah, you guys have three kids. They're six, four, and two. Be careful. This is your financial future, you know? I quit my so, job. <laughs> yeah, you, you quit your job. What? what? I mean, I just, talk, I, just did a, I just did a podcast with Jaime in Houston, and he's like, I quit my job. I got a two-year-old daughter. I got a wife. I just quit my job, and I started flipping houses. I just bought two houses. I'm figuring it out. I don't know what I'm doing, and everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I love it. I'm having such a good time, and 
it was like, by no means am I telling everybody to go out there and quit their job right now without having any income or any plan or anything <laughs> like that. That's the last thing that I want you guys to think that I'm saying. But what I do want to say is we, we got to get around the people who encourage us, who see our dreams and get excited about it, who are more like us in business, in life, in everything. Jim Rohn has the quote, uh, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And it's really, really true. You got to pick who, who you spend in time with. Who are you being around? Who are you, who are you pouring into? Who are you trying to make an impact? Who are you taking advice from? What does that look like? Is it the right people or the wrong people? Because if you can yeah. surround yourself by the wrong people and really go down, so. I, I can tell even from just leaving and being a part of the Facebook group and being, I've had people that have called me from Flip Hacking Live that we swap cards with and they're like, hey, just wanted to touch base with you. How's it going? What have you decided on doing? And I mean, all over, all over the United States, which is amazing because they're not my direct competition and we can feed off of each other and we're telling each other what we're doing and what's working right now. Or how do you find this list? How do you find that? And, um, and it's kind of holding each other accountable too, while we're talking to each other on the phone. So it's not just a Facebook group that we've gotten into. It's also the group of, um, just the networking and the people that you know, that we met there and still keeping in touch with them and having those contacts. So the, the whole process has been huge. And that mentality, I've gotten so much more done on our business since we've left Flip Hacking Live. I mean, I've gone down our list and I'm like, okay, we have like 20 things. What's our top three things that we're going to do? But um, we, we've been a whole lot more productive in doing those things because of that because of going and actually listening and implementing and being around the people that are doing it. It's just been, it's been huge. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a change. It's a change when you get into a room like this and you start meeting these kind of people, it's just a to especially when you're not used to that, even going to my local RIA, it's, it's way different. You know, you have, you got the people there who just are just going for the social hour and they're never going to do anything. And then you got the people who, are maybe trying to do some stuff. And then you got the kind of group who of uh, five or six people who are doing, you know, five or 10 deals, or maybe they flipped like 10 houses over the last few years. But it's pretty rare that you bump into somebody who's just like a widespread visionary who's like, I'm going to take over the world. And just because I, I, I feel like those people just don't go there anymore. So when I was getting started, there were people that were buying hundreds of houses a year. When I started figuring out who was who and who was buying at auction and all this stuff, I was trying to get in front of those people. Like, who's this guy that's buying 120 houses a year? And he's not, he doesn't not go into this meeting. Like he's buying houses. He's running his company. So trying to figure out how to get there. And that's, that's what I think I'm, I'm really proud of being able to take over something like that, where we have this community of people who are at that level and you show up and this is like a national RIA on, the supercharged national RIA basically where everybody is, you, you guys want to do 10 houses, 20 houses. And somebody's like, yeah, I did that last month. So it yeah. just, it, it, it pushes you a little bit past where you think your limit is. And for me, it was that kind of ceiling above my head just kept moving up and up and up over time. And I remember the first time I, I met these guys who are making millions of dollars a year. I wouldn't be able to recognize them in the grocery store or on an airplane. I, I, they're not driving uh, Maseratis and, and Ferraris and, you know, flying in private jets. They're dads, they're husbands, they're just all around nice guys wearing shorts and sandals. And you wouldn't point them out in a lineup thinking that they're multimillionaires. So that, that's, that's, that's what attracted me. And that's what 
that's what I wanted to be. And I wanted to figure out how to do is not kind of, and I'll go back to my, my commanding officer. He's saying, talking about these guys who kind of wear it on their sleeve and it's obvious and it's like throwing around in your face. And it's the, it's like quiet professional, like Jocko talks about the Navy SEALs call themselves quiet professionals. It's, it's that it's the, the guys who are doing a great job running their business with integrity, changing people's lives and not necessarily shouting off a rooftop about it and things like that. So. No, and they're willing to share their information. They're willing to tell you, you know, to talk to you about it. You can go to the RIAs and the RIAs, you're going to meet tons of people. And we've done that in our first flip, you know, for anybody that's new and hadn't done it. I mean, we actually got some friends from the RIA and we're like, hey, come look at our flip and tell us your thoughts. Like, tell us what you think that we need to do. So we totally use those resources um, and we still go to those meetings and stuff because it's, it's the networking. You need to be a part of that networking in your area, right? But it's a total different level when you go to um, and being a part of the seven figure runway, like because you're exactly right. You might know somebody that's done 20 or they have 20 rentals right now, but they're not making, you know, they're, they're not wanting to not be working in the business, right? Or that's what they want to do. They're happy with it. They're working 50 hours a week and they're okay. And we look at each other and we're like, I don't want to do that. I want somebody else working my business while I can still make money and I want to have a business. I want to own the business, but I don't necessarily want to be wanting to put 50 and 60 hours in it every single week. Like I want to be able to enjoy life at the same time. So, um, that's, it's, it's a whole different level and clientele that you, that you meet and the, the people are just so friendly and they're okay with us talking to them and calling them and saying, Hey, did this work for you? And, you know, and telling us all their secrets and what they've done already has just stopped our, the spinning wheel that I was on of like, there's so much information. What do you do? So it's been amazing. Yeah. I think that, I think the bottom line answer is just go find some people that are like you, that you want to be around and figure out how to, you know, share information and maximize that. And it's not just about, Obviously, the doors to our seven-figure runway are closed. If you want to join that, you can come to Flip Hacking Live next October in 2020. But for now, I'm focused on Chad and Ashley and all the other great people that we have in that, in that group. Because I think that ultimately that, that community and that organization needs one year of support without bringing people in and people moving in and out and all that stuff. We want to get to know each other. We want to be a group where, like you said, Ashley, you're reaching out to each other. You're helping each other. You're sharing information. And we get to know each other over, over a year and get, get to that next level together. And we have this kind of class of people. So I, if, if that's something that you guys are looking for, if you're listening, just go find somewhere. If it's a local RIA or it's a, it's a, a community, if it's a online Facebook group or a forum or something like that. Um, obviously are, we have, we have a Facebook, a free Facebook page called flip hacking, automate and scale your uh, house flipping and wholesaling business. And you guys can just get in there and talk. And those are the people that are, you know, follow us and are part of our, um, our, our, like our community, but not necessarily in some of our mastermind groups. So that's a place to share information, um, things like that. So just go find people that you're attracted to, like the kind of community that you want to be a part of. That's the biggest thing, recommendation that I have for anybody. And if you want to drive a Ferrari and have a yacht and fly in golf streams and be flashy and wear really flashy clothes, then go find the guy who does that and is going to teach you how to wholesale and flip houses and go do that. Like, uh, it's perfectly fine. I know that we're not for everybody. And, uh, I want the people in our organization and our mastermind group, like you guys who they don't want that stuff. They just, they want a lifestyle. They want to run a business. They want to figure out how to remove themselves from it and 
raise their kids and spend time with their family and, and all the cool stuff that we get to do as business owners. That's just incredible. I mean, I look back and say, I'm so blessed for everything that I've been given over this time. My dog is going absolutely nuts. And I don't know, oh, sorry. The UPS guy just dropped stuff off. So, and nobody's here to shut him up. So, um, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to clip this out. <laughs> Reggie. I thought that was my wife pulling up to the, okay. He's driving away. I was like, is he waiting for me to sign something? All right. Um, Andre clip this out. <laughs> um, let's see, where was I? I was talking about a community. Okay. Um, all right. So it sounds like you guys, you guys are enjoying the runway group and Ashley, I want to make sure you have a accountability call coming up for the group. Do, You're yeah. okay. Are you guys in, in different weekly accountability meetings? No, I am not. We got a slacker. Oh, you quit. You're out. I didn't quit. I just never signed up. So. Oh, so you can't quit if you don't show up the first day. So, okay. Cause I know we were trying to take, we took kind of business owners and, and put them in like uh, spouses or business partners and stuff and put them in different groups so they could get a little bit different experience. Um, Chad, uh, man, you're slacker. It's cool. Um, I, I have, I struggle with even the accountability of becoming accountable. So uh, even like raising my hand and saying, I want to be held accountable, but I did just sign up with my nutrition coach again because I knew that I was falling off the wagon and we have uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. So he's holding me accountable. I have to check in every week. I have to track everything that I eat every day, all my exercises and everything. So uh, I'm excited to have Andre on that journey with me and me and him are going to lose some weight over the next three months and be ready for the cruise. So, um, okay. Anything else that you guys want to share with everybody? How do you feel? So we feel good. Um, we're, we're, we're taking it step by step day by day, you know, to hopefully at the end of the week gain some ground. Right. And, and we're going to take that approach every week so that hopefully in a year we can look back and see this huge distance of, that, that we've come and obstacles we've overcome. And so we're, we're going to continue to face obstacles. We're going to continue to face uh, difficulties and struggles. And we're of the mindset we're going to we're going to persevere. We're going we're to get through it. We're going to attack them. We're going to take it by the horns and and just press forward, press forward. So that's that's our mentality. That's what we want to do. Um, awesome. You know what? <laughs> What's that? I was just going to say, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm ready. And it's still just, I'm ready to make it happen. I want to be the one saying, Hey, we made six figures. We did so awesome the first year. Like we want to get this done and I'm just trying to figure out how to, how to get more time. Right. So, um, we're super excited to be on this journey and to be a part of this group. And for the ones that are just starting, I'm going to say, just do it because it, it does give you Right now we're working our butts off and it's not easy. And I'm, you know, I stay up and like I was sending Chad a comp and a ARV and an analysis the other day because he had a meeting on Sunday and he was out of town. So I sent that to him at 1.30 in the morning and I was like, hey, here's this, I'm going to bed. Like we're, we're pulling those extra hours, but hopefully in a year, you know, we're going to be able to say, oh, now we have somebody that can do that for us and we don't have that stress level of, that or that Chad's not having to work that W-2 job and now we're really being able to focus on our investment company and, and getting things going. 
but we don't have it perfect and we don't have it down to a science and it's working and it's going. And so, um, I just say, you, you know, you got to get in that mindset and just get ready to go and, and take that first step and do it. Awesome. Nike, Nike. Yeah. Nike hit it right on the head. Didn't they? I'll tell you the, the biggest thing for me is I love seeing you guys come in and just go after it. And it takes a lot of work to run a business in the beginning. There's, there's another saying of like an entrepreneur is the only person that works 80 hours a week instead of working their W2 job or something like uh, to, to have more time available. It's, it's so, whatever. I've just completely butchered that quote, but it's totally true. Like I remember I'm sitting here going, I'm working before my job, after my job, nonstop weekends, everything. But looking back now, it was all worth it. And now I, I can never go back to that. No, nobody can hire me. I just am not an acceptable employee anymore. It's just, I won't do it. So it's just changed the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I think about everything that I do, the time that I spend, what I'm doing. I, I, I've completely changed as a, a person in, in the way that I think. So you guys will get there. It'll be funny because you'll wake up maybe six months from now and you won't even have, see the change, but you'll look back and go, wow, like things have really changed and we are really in a good spot. And as long as you keep taking those steps, you won't even, it's just the slow change over time that every day you look in the mirror and you change a little bit and a little bit, and a little bit. It's that compound effect. If you ever read that book by Darren Hardy, it's, it's really like that where you'll look back and now I have to look back and kind of pinch myself and, and really think about what it was like four or five years ago. And so when I have, when I'm doing these interviews these past couple of weeks, it's really taken me to that place and reminded me of how much I was working and how much it kind of stunk. So um, it's really kind of, it's, it's fun to see you guys on this journey. And what I really love is that we're able to hopefully help accelerate that timeline for you guys. So um, there's one thing that I've kind of been dying to ask you guys uh, since you signed up for the runway group is, do you think that if you didn't bump into me those mornings on your runs that you would have joined the program or do you think that you wouldn't have? We would have, we would have. <laughs> You obviously made it easier, Bill, your charm, right? So, no, uh, you, no, you, you said it straight. You said that uh, you did not want to make up our decision for us. It was our own decision, right? It was our own decision, and we appreciated that. Um, but going into it, I knew that there was going to be a program become available during the event because we actually tried to get in before, and um, I forget who it was that we were speaking to. He said, he said, hang tight. Bill's going to un, un, re, yeah, re, revamp the, and restructure. So wait until the event. You already signed up going to the event. Wait until then. And so we did. Um, but I was already, I had already convinced myself that this is what we needed before the event. But so we didn't even have to have that conversation, it no, sounds like. Not the, <laughs> the seven-figure runway. Like he, we knew something was going to happen, but we didn't. Because it is, it's expensive, right? To for us as an investment, that was something that we took out of the money that we had made, and so we're not able to roll that back into the business. And we were like, we need to get home. We got to start marketing. We got to start figuring out how to do this. And every time, you know, I'm marketing, you're you turn around, and even like the um, we're doing some cold calling right now. So the cold calling costs money to get the dialer. It costs money to you know. So all of that stuff it takes away. So it was that huge thing. So it wasn't something that we took very lightly. And each day, I mean, 
that last day, I almost wish you would have been like, Chad, just do it. Cause I was like, we need to do this. <laughs> and, yeah. and Bill was like, no, y'all do what you need to. I'm not going to pressure you into it. But, um, I do. I think that, I think those conversations helped. They really did. And then we also had some conversations with your Chad, um, sales Chad offline as well that day. And I think those conversations helped and all of that together kind of sealed the deal. And we were like, we need to do this. If we're going to keep investing in ourselves, we've already gotten so much from just those three days from everybody and looking at the videos and stuff that were available to us. That was what I saw is that's going to stop me from spinning my wheels so much. And I will tell you that just the marketing stuff alone, I have gone through every single one of those videos more than once. And the cold calling, I mean, there's, there's been several of them that I have gone through like three or four times and I will go to that spot that I know I need to go to and listen to it again and I will pause it and then it'll walk me through it. And that has saved us so much time um, and money too, because we know how to, we know where to go and we know how to get it. So it's just given us those resources that we needed that is going to escalate us and help us move farther faster. I will say Bill, those morning walks helped confirm what I already thought. So that did help, right? Talking, talking to you and some of the others that were, were, were with you just, just helped, helped confirm that, Hey, these, these are legit, legitimate people. They want to help and they want to see people succeed and so that helped so that helped solidify what i what i my intuition going into it well and you guys were so accessible anyway i mean we were able to see terry we found terry you know we talked to him several times we saw andy in the airport on the way home and like like he was at the airport and chad's like hey you know we're chad i'm like he's so like andy's probably done but we like stopped him and we introduced ourselves and everybody was just super friendly and, and open and honest and they were they were real right so for everybody to be real people and talk to us like we were real that was that was huge well andy's never done by the way he's a he's the people's person so he's always on if you ever see him grab him he wants to, he wants a hug he wants to talk to you uh he's he's never done so um well i i appreciate that i i really i i, I think the best way to sell something is let it kind of sell itself. Let, let people make their decision. Uh, if, if I got to push you into a, a program, then we got the wrong product. We, it's just not, not the best way to do business. And I'm, I'm, I'll, I, there's a lot of people that came up to me and said, do you, what do you think I should do? Here's my situation. And not once did I say that whole, those whole three days that, yeah, you need to do this. This is absolutely, it's your decision. It's your family. It's because I, I want you guys to commit to something yourself. You got to make the decision. Otherwise, you're just not going to do it. Somebody else tells you, you got to do it. You should do it. Push you into it. Hey, sign here, jump in, pay this money. You're not committed. You, you, if you're the one who's making the decision, sure, you got some trusted advisors that you reach out to. I did when I made my decision, but, and I paid mine in full. I made sure of that. And I, I'm really a big proponent on, on pushing that too, because then you're all in and there's no kind of plan B. You're not a, have a fallback and stuff like that. And what I've seen in a lot of this is when people are all in, they really go to work. And that's, that's a really cool thing about at, at least what I did. I granted, I put it on American Express card and I hadn't closed my first, pro that property yet. And I didn't even know. I was so dumb. I, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't even think that it might not close 
the guy would back out and then I wouldn't get my $43,000 to pay off this credit card. And I was like, oh my gosh. So don't do that guys. Wait till you have the money. Make sure it's the right decision for you. So, um, well, I, I absolutely do not want you to be late for this accountability call because you're a team leader and Becca, they'll be all over me for, for holding you back and you, you need to get on that call. So um, I really enjoyed talking to you guys today. It's been really fun to get to know you a little bit more. We, I could, I feel like it's been 10 minutes and it's been over an hour here. So I, I could spend all day with you guys. And I, I really enjoyed getting to know you at the event. You guys obviously stuck out to me because we had some interactions together and things like that. And I was really happy to see you at the kind of welcome lunch, obviously. And I'm looking forward to this next year. And, you know, with our event in April, being in Atlanta and me being from there, I just can't wait to, to kind of go back there. I say from there because I've never really lived anywhere longer than five years. And I lived in Atlanta for five years. So um, I'm really excited to, right, it's right next to Georgia Tech. There's a lot of places that I know there in Midtown. So it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, coming there in April with my team and the event that we're doing. So can't wait to see you guys there. And um, I'll see you in the Facebook group. Thanks for hanging out with me. Sounds it's great. been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. We Thanks, appreciate Bill. it. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right, guys. I'll see you later. Okay. Thanks for listening to the seven figure flipping podcast with Bill Allen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at sevenfigureflipping.com.